Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. We're here today with Kate Elizabeth, speaker and author. Kate Elizabeth is a stroke survivor who had a stroke at 10 years old, resulting in left side paralysis. She continues to pursue her desire for personal independence and to find unique ways to achieve two-handed tasks with one hand. She is, again, an author and speaker with a message of hope and a way out of suffering for stroke survivors and disadvantaged people. So, Kate, I want to welcome you into the show. Tell us a little bit about your story. I mean, you had this stroke at 10. Do you know why you had the stroke? Was there a reason that it happened? I... Guess I was told at the time when I was 10 years old, but the fact that I was 10 years old, I don't really <laughs> remember. And I wasn't really too interested after that to know why I guess I should have been, but I'm not. All I know really that there was, I was told that there was a kink in the artery, so that, that meaning that the blood stopped getting to the brain. So, and there was some bruising. But about one-third of my brain did die because it took them over two hours to get me to the hospital, which is a fair amount of time. So that's my answer, I guess. How did that affect you as a child? That had to be a little hard. Well, everything was hard. So because it was totally out of the blue, you know, I was the picture of health as a child. It was the most unexpected thing to happen to someone who was so healthy, it affected me and that I just went into this state of shock and anger and denial. I couldn't cope. And you're emotionally not ready for it as a child. You don't have that emotional build-up as you do when you're an adult or even as a young adult. You're able to cope with those sorts of things. And the physical side effects of it is very difficult. And also in 1987, like, the times back then, they didn't have any sort of anti-discrimination laws and also people weren't as compassionate back then. You know, children went to, with disabilities went to special schools, so that's what they expected of me, to go to a special school rather than an integrated school um, as they do these days. So there just wasn't the supports when I went home that they do have in Australia these days. And there was no social worker in the hospital. There was no psychiatrist. There was there was none of that for me. So it was very very difficult. And for my family's, sorry, for my family and for my friends, I guess it was an extremely stressful time. One of my good friends that I still have now from before my stroke, she says it was the worst thing that ever happened to her. Actually, I'm almost ready to cry because it's heartbreaking. But I know that. You know, I've talked with other people and whether, and they were adults and how hard um, at that time that it was to get through it because there was no support. I talked to a, a gentleman who's like seven something now and he was also happened to be a black man 
he had a stroke, he was a child, and how his parents had to fight for anything that they could. I mean, they were told to not put him in school, you know, and all kinds of different things, but they fought to keep him in school. They, you know, Mm. so not only had a disability, but he was also a black man or a black child. And that was at that time, two strikes against him, but he did go on. And like you, he is partially paralyzed and, but he still moved forward and kept going. And I'm thinking by all the things you know, I've read that you've done that you do too, that you've kind of let it go, but you keep trying to move. I think the difference between a child that has a stroke to a child that doesn't have a stroke, and I know that adults will say this as well, that have had some sort of upheaval or disadvantage or a stroke, of course, uh, they'll say the same thing. But particularly for a child, I developed this inner strength and these uh, inner coping mechanisms that, that my peers didn't have. And, and that was directly because of the stroke. And, um, yeah, which gave me, as I, as I grew up in years, it gave me an advantage over my, over the people around me in, uh, coping with things that happened to me. And a lot of people have said, wow, you're strong. And there's a reason for that is because I had such an incredible, incredibly heartbreaking thing that happened to me as a kid. And, and as a child, that is incredibly hard. And as an adult, we all deal with it differently. But a child, like you said, doesn't have the same coping ability. As adults, we have adult ways. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but we make choices at that point. We can choose to be happy. We can choose to be sad. We can choose to be angry. As a child, you can't really choose because you don't understand yeah, that's right. how much what's, what's going on or what's happening. And it didn't only affect you. It affected your whole family, and any stroke does. It doesn't matter what age you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always, it's terrible, but you can either be a victim, you can be a survivor, or I think I read in your information, or you can be a thriver. A thriver, absolutely. Yeah. So oh, I like thriver. Well, that i got to say, I was a victim. It doesn't mean to say that I've, I've been surviving or thriving for the whole time. I haven't been a positive example setter since I've had my stroke. I was a victim for a very long time, and I had very little belief in myself, for, and I hated myself, and I had had terrible depression. So I've lived through every stage of grief. Um, right. Due to stroke. So I've been down in the depths just like anybody else that's had a stroke. At the time that you had your stroke, there was still no support for anyone who'd had a stroke and especially not a child. I mean, I know children had strokes back then. I, they have strokes now. They had strokes, you know, before. But to find therapy and like you said there was no social worker there wasn't a psychologist who could come and see you you had to learn to cope and that made you stronger so in the meantime then you've written a book yeah were you a speaker first no no I wasn't I I do I have always enjoyed speaking and which is funny because most people don't like speaking but I have enjoyed doing speaking and writing and and things like that. And it just seemed like a natural 
a falling into place of events for me to write the book about living, doing things every day with one hand and and now I speak to health professionals and, and I help stroke survivors by, by speaking to them as well. So And I enjoy it very much. So, so um, your book is titled Beyond Stroke, Living Independently with One Arm. Mm-hmm. I don't have that paralysis so much in my arm. I have weakness. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't quite understand the paralysis part. So explain to people what you mean. I don't use any equipment at all. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> there is absolutely no need. So any stroke survivor listening to this out there, listen to me as a stroke driver of 30 years, more than 30 years, you don't need equipment and aids. You don't. Okay? And so I learned earlier, we've talked about not having the support. However, I did have some support from occupational therapists and physio and I had that sort of thing for a long time. But because I was a kid, I adapted very well to like just wanting to get on with life, just having to get back to school and all that sort of thing. And I wanted to conform. I needed to be around my friends. So I needed to be able to zip up my school bag or make my toast or that sort of thing. And I had to learn. I had to force myself to learn how to tie my hair or do my shoelaces or get dressed. There was no, there was no choice in uh, giving up because I couldn't, I didn't have two hands. So I learned, I adapted really quickly but that's not to say that learning to tie my hair actually took me 25 it took me 25 years to learn that so some of these skills that are in my book like dressing myself took that maybe took about a year to pick up that skill or two some of the cooking skills I never had a problem with that they may have taken a month or two to pick up but these are really simple skills that anyone can pick up like straight away if they follow what what I do, you know, holding a, a book open with a bulldog's, bulldog clip, that sort of thing. They're very simple things. So some of them, you know, I picked up, I, I had to switch my brain to thinking with one hand rather than two. So I know that's really hard for older people who have a stroke and that's why I wrote the book. But for me it was a lot easier, but the, the tricks in my book are so, they're not even tricks, they're so simple to implement and that's why I did it because some of them took me so long to learn that I thought, well, hey, I know there's people struggling so why not just let them know how to tie their shoelaces with one hand or, or cooking, you know, cut an onion or an apple or whatever it, it may be that they're struggling with. So that's what, that's what it's all about. So your book has uh, been an international success in, like, Australia, Canada, New Zealand, even India, and here, and UK. It has a a message of hope and easy-to-use tools throughout the book. So when did the book come out? Was it in 2016? Yeah. And about your speaking, what do you do you basically do? Your speaking engagements following kind of the book or do you have topics or? 
Yeah, I speak to two different groups. So I speak to health professionals and it's also open to families and carers. And I talk about how we can help drug survivor to thrive rather than just survive. I really dislike that one. <laughs> and um, I talk about the process of recovery from a stroke survivor's perspective and what they are actually dealing with and some of the things that might be hindering their their recovery process that perhaps they're not aware of. So that the health professional might not be aware of in the hospital and also in rehabilitation stage. So I help them with that. And I talk a lot about the grief process within the stroke survivor's journey So and how they can become a stroke thriver so they can, they can help them thrive. Because I know that a lot of like occupational therapists and physios, they're really passionate about helping people but there's going to be a block there if they haven't experienced it themselves. So I do, there's that portion and I do training and, and I also speak to people overseas. So it's not just limited to Australia. So that's quite exciting. We have, um, web events and things for overseas call, um, overseas people. So that's great. And the second group is I speak to stroke survivors and I also do that for overseas. And I do this in two parts. We I speak to them about the process of recovery and um, what that's all about and how it will look for them. And it can be a confusing time, I imagine, especially in the early stages, trying to nut out the denial and the shock and the anger. And, and um, right. Uh, so that's that part of it. But I also do a demonstration so they can pick something that that group might be struggling with it might be cooking so the last group that I did we made a fruit salad all together and um, so I show them how to do that with one hand so we're peeling a mango or we're like I'm showing them how to cut an avocado things like that how to how do you slice baby tomatoes that sort of thing so with one hand so we'll do a one-handed activity so that's the second half of that and also families and carers are, of course, welcome to, to those talks as well. So they're very exciting and I enjoy doing that very much. So stroke is a global problem. In, in my questions, it says tragedy. And depending on how you look at it, I guess, yes, it could be a tragedy. But in some cases, you can look at it differently and it can be a good thing. It totally changed my life. It is a global problem. Can you give us some facts about that? Well, when I say it's a global problem or a global tragedy, I mean by the amount of people that are having strokes, the cost on the economy in each different country. That, so that's what I mean about it. And, of course, obviously, the physical welfare of people and the emotional costs and toll to to uh, the individual and their families. So that's what I mean by that. So I can only tell you a bit that I know about America and Australia. They're very similar and on par. One stroke every 10 minutes here in Australia. The number is actually increasing in terms of the lower population and this is causing a big drain on the health system. In many countries, I put it down to stress. There's a lot more strokes happening in this mid-year, um, so there needs to be a lot more awareness and 
services and strengths put into preventing strokes. Yeah. I do know that in Australia, 55,000 people had a stroke in 2017. We have a population of 25 million, so that, that's an awful lot of people to have a stroke. And that's not new and recurrent strokes as well. Sorry, that's only new strokes, not recurrent strokes. Okay. So beyond the medical stuff, we as stroke thrivers, survivors, what does all this really mean? You know, like grief, loss of identity, friends, relationships, or other points. I mean, I understand the grief and loss of identity, especially the loss of identity. That's huge because you kind of have to reinvent yourself in most cases. Well, in my opinion, that's what stroke is all about. Like, sure, stroke is about, you know, the losing, someone was just talking before about losing sight or hearing or having a physical disability. Some people recover completely. But um, I was just speaking to someone recently who they have a slightly droopy eye but feel like their life is completely over. You know, the side effect of stroke is there's two lives in a stroke. There's the old me and there's the new me. Stroke is grief, in my opinion. It's loss of life. So it's like for anyone that's lost a loved one, um, they'll know what that feels like. And it's exactly the same or very similar to someone who has had a stroke. You lose your life. You lose you. You lose... I mean, for me, I lost one side of me. And I use this metaphor that it's like I've been dragging a dead body around on me for, you know, 30 years and the sadness just stays with you. It doesn't go away, which is like a the loss of a, a close loved one. And, um, and you just constantly want to go back to the old you until you receive acceptance. And I was lucky enough to receive that a few years ago. So there's stages that you go through in this grieving process, and I'm sure most people are aware of those stages. Um, so when you say acceptance, is that acceptance from yourself or acceptance from other people? Or how are you using acceptance? Acceptance of yourself and okay. your spirit. Yeah. And your old me. So this is this is becoming a thriver and becoming the new me. So becoming into deciding to be to accept the stroke and leaving the old me and becoming a new person, I guess. So I completely understand the the grieving. I didn't like the new me for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I want the old me. Mm. It didn't take me too, too long, but I eventually came to the conclusion, hey, the new me is pretty awesome. Let's try this out. Mm-hmm. So, so I know not everybody can get there as quickly probably as I did, and some people probably get to it a lot faster. But once you do hit the acceptance, your whole life changes. Mm-hmm. So for you what everyone can do now to create a new life rather than dream of returning to your old life. How did it work for you? Well, for me, it was a blessing in disguise. I think it just works for everyone differently. 
it's most definitely going through every stage of the grieving process. So I say, I say, yes, experience, be depressed, be angry. It's okay. That's part of having a stroke. Be frustrated because being frustrated with your situation, of course you're going to be frustrated. Okay. Who wouldn't be frustrated that their, their hand isn't working properly? Okay. That's normal. And um, I don't like all these success-driven things like don't give up. And it's okay to give up um, short-term, all right? So that's my message. Going through those processes is how you get to the new me or achieving acceptance. So for me, that's exactly what I did, but it took a very long time, obviously, because I didn't have that grounding, emotional grounding as a, as a childhood stroke survivor. But for me... It came by having children, and yeah. <laughs> I had um, a, a daughter, and then God didn't see that I, <clears throat> um, God didn't see that I'd had, I'd received acceptance and gave me two children at once. And fourteen months, fourteen months after I'd had my daughter, I had twin boys, and I was forced to. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing I had I was too busy to worry about my stroke that I, I just saw life from a totally different perspective. Yeah. Um, Children do that to you. Yeah, so that yeah. that was how it worked for me and it was wonderful. Best thing ever. Yeah. I talk about positivity. So if you wake up every morning and say it's gonna be a good day, you're gonna have a good day. Mm. But at the same time, I also allow myself to have pity parties, but I put a time limit on it. So if I'm not having a good day, you know, like you were just saying, I can have a pity party. So I can sit with my box of tissues, watch movies all day, eat bonbons, whatever it is. But after two hours, three hours a day, whatever I've set the limit, then that's it. I have to move on. Yeah. And I think it's okay to grieve. You know, you you use the word grieve. I use the word pity party, but it's kind of the same thing. We're upset. We do that, and it's okay. So also, you had to feel engaged with life and others and have a more positive outlook on your future beyond stroke. It's not all about stroke, but it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much to do with the stroke. You know, I've have I suffered for over about 16 years with epilepsy, and it just gets you directly from the brain injury. Mm -hmm. And all you do is think about how much you hate the stroke and life and blah blah blah. It's sort of it's something that I didn't. I didn't have, and I, and I just speak about my epilepsy as an example because I was so isolated and I just wished and I really longed for, for that so much. There were no stroke support groups and it wasn't even something I fathomed or considered because there was no internet when right. I was living through all this. But I really encourage people. It's so positive to see now how compassionate society is now and there's websites and groups and Facebook groups and sites and places you can go to get support from others um, once a month and there's all sorts of things now available to stroke survivors 
So I really encourage that sort of thing for um, stroke survivors to heal through through this. It's only around being, it's only about being around others that people can can recover and heal from this sort of stuff. You need to be with people who can support you through having a stroke. So I want to mention again your book, Beyond Stroke, Living Independently with One Arm, that was quite successful from first being published in 2016. But are there any words of encouragement or thoughts or anything that you'd like to add before we go? My only thoughts are that it is a process, it's a journey, that it's okay wherever you are in that. I have a habit of comparing myself to someone who's they're way ahead of me on their journey. So keep going. Part of having a stroke is to, like Dory says in that movie, just keep going. You just have to keep, it's just a hard slog and you just have to keep going and keep your eye on the prize. So it's not sexy having a stroke and you just have to keep going with whatever you're experiencing and just have support and you're doing okay. You're doing okay. One other thing, where can people find your book? Is it in bookstores? Is it online? Yeah, the good place to find more information about me and also the book is just to go to my website and that's katealizabeth.global. Again, Kate Elizabeth. She's a speaker and author. Her book is out and it's uh, called Beyond Stroke, Living Independently with One Arm. And uh, I've enjoyed speaking with you today. I hope you've enjoyed being here and uh, I wish you luck and continued moving forward. And uh, I look forward to reading your book. I think I'm going to have to go get this and talk about it to some of my support groups. This is Cam. I hope uh, you join us again here on uh, the Hand in Hand show. I hope you all have enjoyed our uh, conversation today and uh, see you on the radio. Good night. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interviews smooth. Do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at HTTPS colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.